KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Welcome back to another edition of the KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. I'm Beth Accomando. As I speak, it's less than three months until Halloween. Spirit stores are already posting signs looking for employees, and I'm still trying to track down tentacles for my Lovecraft haunt this year. So basically, it's panic mode. Fortunately, I had the opportunity to spend this past weekend with other Halloween fans at Scare LA, where people could understand my sense of panic. The convention celebrates all things spooky and fun. It's grown so big in its four short years that it's had to move to the Pasadena Convention Center last year to accommodate the crowds. Today's podcast is dedicated to Scare LA. I'll be speaking with its founder, Laura Ivanova, first, and then with controversial extreme haunter, Russ McCamey. I'm also going to play clips from some NPR interviews I did at Scare LA in 2014, so you can get a feel for what the convention's like and the kinds of things you can find there. First of all, let's hear from Laura about what led her to create Scare LA in the first place. Scare LA started as an idea in the crazy head of a person who just felt like 365 days were too many days to wait until the next Halloween. So I, call, I have this thing that I call post-Halloween depression. It happens right after October 31st when there's not as many things to do or parties to go to or costumes to wear. You've kind of gone through your wardrobe. And um, I just felt kind of bummed that, you know, we had to wait for another year until Halloween. And um, the idea was to bring the spirit of Halloween and just put it in an earlier stage as a kickoff, as a way to celebrate that holiday a little bit earlier than usual and extend, hopefully, what is one month of celebration into maybe three or four. And explain what you can find here at the convention, because there's a broad spectrum of things. You can find anything and everything that you associate with Halloween, starting from the trick-or-treats for kids up till the spooky cocktails and learning how to make costumes or how to do your own makeup with household materials, um, you can find it here at Scarily. We have theater shows, we have music bands, we have uh, the likes of NSYNC um, that are here and mingling with fans. We have Olvira, Mistress of the Dark, one of our all-time favorites. Um, so when it comes to Halloween, we really have encapsulated what October feels like and looks like, and we've brought it to uh, our convention center in the midst of the summer. Haunted houses and all, monsters and all, sliders. Uh, you you want it and you name it, you, we've got it. Horror movies, lizards and reptiles, cats and black cats. We have uh, zip lines with witch brooms <laughs> and we have pretty much anything and everything. It's always a long list and it never stops. Uh, one of the things that seems to be becoming uh, really popular is you have these seminars and workshops and explain what kind of things people can learn and, and what these entail. The classes are really an excellent opportunity for people of all ages to walk away with something like a new skill or a new area of interest. What I mean by that is we have 
things that are really fun and simple. I mean, anything from how to cook a spooky meal. Uh, if you want to throw a crazier Halloween party or you just want to have fun um, at home, we have classes that are geared towards just the fans of Halloween. But we also have classes that are a little bit more uh, towards the crafts type people. So you can learn how to uh, create special effects, build props. Um, we have a lot of make and takes. And all of these classes are included in the price of admission, which makes it very accessible for all, all sorts of folks. And then the step up from there really are the classes for the people that um, are either professional in the horror and haunt industries or they want to be professional one day. So if you want to learn how to have your own haunted house, how to create it, how to build it, how to design it, how to make an animatronic that goes into it, how to market your haunted house or your horror film, uh, we have a whole array of classes that are geared towards those folks as well because we want to make sure ultimately we have the attendees here become inspired and get engaged and get involved and, and one way or another we feel that they're either going to do have a little bit more fun or hopefully who knows maybe they'll have a whole new career after Scarily. And one thing that seems to be expanding here as well is you have like little mini haunts so people can get a sample of what these haunts are like and talk about what that's like here. I call this the haunt tasting menu, and that really is a, a kind of a sampling course of some of the most anticipated haunt attractions that are opening in the LA area in the fall. Um, those are usually kind of a 20 by 20 space, uh, with a sneak peek, a teaser, if you will, um, where creators from the LA area come out and they install these miniature versions of their experiences so that guests can get a sense of what they can anticipate this fall. This year we also uh, got have a maxi haunt, so <laughs> let's just call it call it that, but we basically decided to create an original Scarily haunted attraction. It's about four, over four times the size of any of our mini haunt attractions. It's originally created for our audiences by our production team in collaboration with one of the top former Knott's designers, Brooke uh, Walters. We have Donald uh, Jolson who worked on Steven Spielberg's Minority Report. He did all the props for that movie, and one of the leading haunt composer, John Autopsy, they did a special soundtrack just for that attraction. So um, we are not only giving a sneak peek and a taste of local attractions, but we're also trying to push the envelope a little bit by maybe filling some gaps, you know, and creating some alternative entertainment that is not out there and can only be experienced at Scarily. All right, one thing I found here that I had never thought I would expect to find was a musical spoof of Troll 2 yes. called Nilbog. So how did you get that here? This is one of my personal favorites of the show. Wanna get back at me with this dumb hunger strike? And show that you can play rough too? Well, you do what you like. Cause you can't piss oh! on hospitality. No, you can't be We also have Alien versus Musical, who is another musical, original musical show, um, which is kind of like uh, Wicked and uh, Grease and pretty much any Broadway musical think of getting attacked by um, an alien. So, or, or maybe the woods, I can compare it to the woods because it is kind of that world of musical characters uh, being eaten one by one and killed by an alien. Troll 2. Uh, both of these shows came through a, my recent relationship with the French uh, Theatre Festival. Um, we had uh, several conversations with their team about becoming uh, what I would consider a, a fringe extensions partner. So after the festival ends, Scarelay is another two, three weeks following that. Um, so we have a chance to uh, bring back some of the most popular shows and especially those that are horror themed um, to our audiences and give them a whole nother um, chance for a run. 
And you run a film festival here, or uh, you have film screenings as well. We do. Um, and our screening room um, is not just kind of curated by our team, but it also showcases some of the best horror film festivals. Again, in the LA area, um, some of the blocks are curated by sh- uh, the likes of Shriekfest and Screamfest, um, some of our favorite uh, you know, sc- screening partners. So we want to make sure we're not only showing the creators of these movies and these are fe- anything from features to shorts to animation but we're also giving presence to people in the industry who have been programming horror film festivals for years so that their brand gets some additional exposure we have two packed days of screenings um, including some of my favorites like the nightmare and the blackout experiments i mean this is uh, these are some amazing documentaries that have gotten a lot of good buzz at sundance that we're uh, happy to bring to scarily audiences and this is your fourth year correct Mm -hmm. And you are now at the uh, Pasadena Convention Center. Talk about how this has grown from the roots where it started. Uh, Gosh, it's been a long and windy road, but I'm so glad we're here. Um, We started in the downtown area at uh, the Reef, and that was uh, really, we had some two spectacular years there. Um, It was a a very different venue than, it's it's not a typical convention center, but it does have an open show floor and a few different levels, so we had this fun kind of game with these elevators that kept closing on patrons, I think. It was part of the experience, you know, it was almost like an escape room, you know, (laughs) experience as you're trying to get into the show, but also a very fun venue, uh, more of a kind of a, a showroom for um, for crafts and, and other things. And it was, I feel like, a brilliant place to start with because it allowed us to have the flexibility to experiment, but and put us in a space where there were a lot of other creative people around us. Um, moving to the Pasadena Convention Center was necessitated from buyer growth. Uh, we outgrew the venue in a very short amount of time, in basically two years. So we moved here last year in 2015. Um, and welcomed uh, about 10,000 fans uh, following that move. So we definitely, even here, the Pasadena Convention Center have now expanded to an entire additional building as well as taken over the uh, plaza in front of the convention center. So we are close to 150,000 square feet, which is uh, quite a big beast. So I don't know, once we outgrow this venue, <laughs> what happens? But um, it's just great to see the growth, and and uh, I'm just very proud of uh, both of our venue partners who have been instrumental to our success. And there's a lot of VR stuff this Uh year. Uh, And that's part of it. I mean, I think as we look at some of the most cherished traditions around Halloween, we can't ignore what the future of this industry looks like. And I am a big science and sci-fi and technology nerd, and I always have been. My Both of my parents are engineers, and I ended up being the creative type with the tech uh, brain as well. So for me, the future of this industry is just as exciting as, and it needs to be celebrated just as much as you know where it comes from. So part of what we did this year is we really branched outside of what we consider the traditional traditional Halloween horror industry and looked at what is the techno- how is technology going to impact this industry? You know, how is it going to make it more interactive? We had an augmented reality game. We have another uh, technology game that's um, it's a basically a wizard wand war. So we had, a, uh, you know, people being able to kind of gameplay uh, in real life. Uh, with the use of technology so they could have points. It's um, At the end of the game, you know whether you've survived or you've turned into a zombie. You can, uh, you can kind of 
layer an entire new way of experience. Then VR brought to us uh, some of the most historic dark rides from all over the world, uh, a project all the way from Australia that came out and has presented an amazing collection of documentations in 360 VR of these dark rides all over the world. Um, some of them are uh, maybe close soon and, you know, may never... Some of them already are. <laughs> Some of them are just too far for audiences in, in Southern California. Um, and it, you can travel right on the show, Scary Lay show floor and, and look at scary things all over the world. So when did you fall in love with Halloween? Is this something that ever since you were a little kid that you've been fascinated with? Actually, I discovered Halloween a little bit later in life. I mean, it was in my teens. When I was a child, um, I just was one of those weird kids that loved to dress up for any occasion in, in a costume, you know, and I, I would sew bunny tails on my pants when I had book reports or, uh, you know, show up and as a the Red Riding Hood, uh, if there was an occasion and, you know, give candy out for my birthday, I would make a whole kind of cosplay experience around it. And um, when I entered into my teens um I grew up in Europe and that's why Halloween you know where I when I was growing up just wasn't uh really something to celebrate so in my teens it it became um something that I became aware of now that I was a little bit older and exploring the world on my own and um and I fell in love I mean I think most of my friends and I really jumped on the opportunity to have fun together in costume and you know th we would throw Halloween parties at the school and uh, coming to the US this passion actually for a while just was really a personal interest and then eventually somehow I fell into the haunt industry and I ended up meeting a lot of folks in the entertainment uh, horror entertainment area theme parks and naturally just kind of seems to make sense after a while to figure out a way to bring it all together into one. It's it's good to see what I like about Halloween is that there's really no gender, no age, no background or ethnicity or, or anything. I mean, all of these labels become irrelevant once you slap on some purple makeup and you put on a pair of high heels and, and put what you're wearing right now, which is, looks like a little <laughs> graveyard on your head with a little tree. It's beautiful. Uh, but I think it all of these cosplay elements are things that I personally love because I tend to cosplay almost every day. I mean, I put a weird hat on or some sort of uh, crazy shirt or, or gloves. And I think there's an element of whimsy that we can all have, not only around Halloween, but every day of our lives. And seeing those accessories and clothing lines, I think it makes me happy because I think it just makes it more accessible for everybody on a daily basis. Um, I'm very happy to see that now it's socially acceptable to have green, purple, and blue hair at work, which, you know, just five years alone wasn't so much of a socially accepted thing. So I think we're hopefully getting into a direction where Halloween will become really a quality of, and a way of life for more than just a small community. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much for the opportunity. That was Scare LA founder and executive director Laura Ivanova. To give you a taste of the show floor, here are a handful of interviews I did in 2014, the second year of the convention, when it was still at the Reef Design Center. First up is one of my favorite places to shop, Dapper Cadaver. Melissa Sack was in the booth that year as the sales and marketing representative. So uh, we're called Dapper Cadaver and we sell a little bit of everything. We sell, we make our own body parts, characters, uh, animals. Uh, we also 
have a whole oddities assortment that we brought today. Uh, monkey paws, uh, miniature fetus skeletons, decorated carved skulls, animal bones, etc. Um, pretty much for anybody who's really into the oddities or unique sideshow market. Uh, but we also brought our scariest characters, a guy, a zombie with all his guts pouring out, as well as a giant werewolf. So a little bit of everything. I've always, Halloween's always been my favorite holiday. I recently started working for the company and I have grown to love it even more. I am, I cannot wait to walk around and see what everybody else has at this convention because I am, I just love all the stuff and all the culture surrounding it. Even the people walking around in costume, I want to take their picture. <laughs> also in the Dapper Cadaver booth that year, and I also saw her again this year, was Grace Fye who explained a little bit about some of the company's specialties from 2014. So we make bodies and body parts, and actually for this year we started a new line of body parts that we call danglers, where we make them with a rope inside so that they can hang easily from like butcher shop hooks, and you can hang them up over in hallways and people can run into them as they're going through a haunted house or something like that. <laughs> yeah, we make them from uh, life cast models of uh, actors, um, and they're cast in foam rubber. And then we add, you know, paint and blood to make them look like real body parts. The, we, you know, we get a lot of use out of them, obviously, in television and film where we, where we are in L.A., but a uh, whole lot of use in theme parks and, uh, and in haunted houses and just for people who want to, you know, get something a little special for their Halloween party every year. <laughs> so most of our full bodies, fully cast bodies, are around $600, $700, but you can get a leg for about 100 bucks or an arm for 60 bucks. Uh, and those are purchase prices. We also do rentals for people who just want them for a night for a party. <laughs> Props of a different kind could be found over at Savage Productions, as Jennifer Smith explained. Um, for us, we do horror movie memorabilia, and so a lot of people buy that stuff to like set dress their designs, and um, there's a lot of wardrobe as well. And I see you've got some chainsaws. Tell me about those. We do. We have cosplay chainsaws, so they're all hollowed out and they don't run but they're a lot lighter. They're a fraction of the weight of regular chainsaws. And then we have regular chainsaws that do run, but we fix the blades and extend them so they're lighter and they won't cut or hurt anybody. <laughs> and they come already ready to um, where they don't run. They're all decked out and painted and distressed. We have our standards that we always have and then we do a lot of custom pieces and find that a lot of people want them so we'll start carrying them regularly. But everything's handmade and everything's one-off, very different. And if you need just the right makeup to go with those props, you might want to take one of the many classes offered at ScareLA. In 2014, I caught up with a special effects makeup artist named Steph Koza, who had just completed a class on nightmare clown design. I was teaching how to create a killer clown from start to finish. I taught how to do the flat makeup, I taught how to do the wardrobe, and how to make a custom prop for very cheap materials. And what's the appeal of the clowns at Halloween? I have no idea. Personally, I am not afraid of clowns in the least bit. I don't understand why people are afraid of them. Personally, I, I do enjoy them because I think they're fun to create, but as far as why people are so into them, I'm not really sure. I just did it because it's a crowd appeal kind of thing. And tell me a little bit about your other two classes. What specifically might you be explaining like in the fast tips? Uh, the fast and easy makeup trick uh, 
lesson is going to be mostly done with face paint. It's going to be stuff for people that have never really touched makeup before or people that need to do really fast makeup for a haunted house or for a low-budget movie. I'm going to be teaching how to block the eyebrows, how to do a white base, much like I did in this class. I'm going to be teaching how to do doll cracks, how to do this kind of opened up jaw look, just stuff that can be done in very easy steps, very quickly and very inexpensively. So if somebody's planning to do some makeup for the first time for Halloween, where do you suggest they go for like buying their stuff? Do not go to Spirit of Halloween, do not go to Party City, do not go to the drugstore. You're going to want to go to, if you're just a regular person, not a makeup artist, you, you do really well at a place called Cinema Secrets in Burbank. You can also go to Namie's, you can go to uh, Friends Beauty Supply, Nigel's, I mean there's so many places here, Halloween Town. Just don't get the stuff you get in the drugstores in October because that's not you're not gonna be able to do too much. Even I couldn't do much with that makeup, and I've been doing makeup for six years. So, yeah, any of those stores, people will be able to help you out quite a bit. So, yeah. And do you have any other tips for people for Halloween? Just have fun with it. I mean, if you're not going into a haunted house, if you're not going into an indie horror movie, I mean. Get creative. Don't just follow what you see in a YouTube tutorial. I mean, there's so many looks, you know, zipper face, can in the head. Don't necessarily follow that. Go with your own design. Don't be afraid to really venture out and do something different. Even if it doesn't really make sense, if it looks cool to you, then have fun with it. I mean, makeup is fun. Costuming is fun. Don't be afraid to really push the limits a little bit. For this next booth, I wish I could have Smellorama to accompany it because it's the fluid manufacturer Froggy's Fogger. Let me let Scott Lynn describe what they offer in their booth. Our, our booth is a fluid manufacturer, uh, so we make fog fluid, uh, snow fluid, bubble fluid, um, smells, haze, um, edible bubbles uh, for theatrical effects, uh, haunted houses, fire departments, roller skating rinks, theme parks, uh, use our fluids uh, all over their place to, to increase and, and pump up the production value of their shows. We are at Scare LA. We have um, different kinds of fog machines, uh, different price ranges. I've got some with uh, lights in them, some that shoot it up 25 feet, regular foggers. I have uh, different fluids uh, to go with the machines to do different effects, and I has, uh, have scent. So uh, not only uh, can you make your fog smell, but you can make it smell really awful as well. They, we just uh, saw a study where scent is the number one sense that is triggered to memory so if you think about it you know your grandpa always smell you can always smell your grandpa's aftershave or cologne and now you can do that with your fog as well or, or you know your costumes you know your zombie doesn't want to smell like Febreze he wants to smell like a zombie so now you can make your zombie smell like a zombie should I do would you like to smell it what do you call it it's called rotting decay uh, I have one if that one's not good enough for you I have an awful one called Slaughterhouse. Okay, wait, where is it over here? Yeah. All right. All right, so I got Rotting Decay here. Uh, great for your costumes, your props. People spend a lot of money on their props, a lot of money on their costumes, but it all smells like Febreze. So with this Rotting Decay scent, all you got to do is spray it, and now it smells like, it, you know, a Rotting Decay body or a zombie should smell like. Yeah, if that one's not good enough, okay. the most powerful uh, scent we have is called Slaughterhouse. It does smell like you would think it would smell like, but just in case. I'm a little scared. Oh. oh. Yeah. That'll ruin your lunch if you spray it on your finger for you. It's, it's one of them strong, strong scents that are number one seller. And which one? The Slaughterhouse. Really? Not only uh, do people buy it for their costumes, but they buy it to prank their office workers and spray their desk chair or spray your 
wife's pillow with it. If I sprayed my girlfriend's pillow with it, I don't think I would have a girlfriend very much longer. And how much is this friend? Uh, the scents are $10 for a one ounce bottle. And you can spray it. We have the spray form or the uh, form that you can put into your fog machines. Ooh, I can still remember what Slaughterhouse smelled like. I decided to buy Rainforest because I figured if the scent got stuck in my house, at least it wouldn't make me sick. Professional haunter Bruce Stanton runs Reign of Terror. He held a panel I attended in 2014 about home haunting. He advised against buying scents such as gasoline or burnt wire, because if those things really happened in your haunt, you'd want to know about it, and you don't want anything fake distracting you from a real potential danger. So I basically, since I run a professional haunted house, but I started as a home haunted house, I basically want to give people the tips and the tricks that I learned to help them achieve their, their goal without making the mistakes I made or the mistakes that I learned not to make. And I see that, you know, there were a lot of people asking you questions after the panel and stuff. So what kind of people are attending these panels? Are they just typical homeowners? Are they, you know, I think, well, I think it's a little bit, a little bit of everything. It's the person that's maybe thinking about doing an event. It's the person that's a home haunted house that maybe wants to be professional. And maybe it's even someone who's affiliated with a charity type of haunted house that's looking to try to get to the next level or not get to the next level. Because I think sometimes it's every bit as important to maybe take one step back and be better at your craft then moved two steps forward. Now this notion of home haunt seems semi-recent. I mean, when did that seem to kind of go on the rise? Well, I grew up in the late 70s, and I would say they pretty much were non-existent at a haunt level. In fact, the word haunt, I, I think that word has basically just been created in the last 15 or so years. So I would say in the last 15 years. And it's really kind of an American phenomenon, too. You know, haunted houses don't really exist worldwide, so I think that's... Another thing that's new, and it's expanding in different markets, but I, I think it's becoming more and more and more because it is such a popular holiday. It is, it's, it's a low stress, a lot of fun, people have positive memories, and anytime that's what you're dictating around, you're going to see growth. Okay. And oh, tell me a little bit about Scarlet. Is this the first time? I know it's only the second year, but were you here? Yeah, we, we yeah we were here the first year. We think this is a fantastic form for people that are into Halloween. I mean, this isn't a gore or a fantasy or a movie. This is really for Halloween and haunted houses. So it's a unique venue, and I hope it really is specific to that that marketplace. So it, it's great. We think it's a wonderful avenue. And in the two years, has it gotten bigger this year? I would say it's twice the size this year as it was last year. I know exhibitor-wise, it's a lot better. So, and it's, you know, it's, we're in a huge populated area and it's a very unique event. Well, I think you're getting, I think it's a very interactive. I mean, you're getting, you're getting to see little neat trinkety type things that you could buy that's maybe something that you take home. Everything to small little walkthrough attractions or something that, uh, you know, getting your face painted. So it's very interactive. I mean, it's great for a family to come through and a neat experience, some, somewhere to spend your full day. Two of the people attending Stanton's panel at the 2014 Scare LA was home haunter Brian Jurgensen and Donald Julston. Oh, well, we're here at Scare LA. Um, it's my compatriots and I run a, uh, a home haunt that we call uh, NOL, Nightmare on Loganberry, uh, down in uh, Orange County, California. Um, we've just spent the last 13 years building, slowly but surely, building up a, uh, you know, a haunted attraction that, you know, it's, it's a labor of love, it's a passion of ours, and um, we're really looking to take this, the next step in that development, and we're learning what the community does and what else is out there. So um, we're just really loving the popularity of... of of Halloween and loving the way it's it's changing and growing over time. So, so for people who may not be familiar, what is a home haunt? 
Well, I mean, a home haunt, obviously, it's it's kind of what it sounds like. It's it's a haunted attraction that people are putting on at, at on their own in their own home, in their front yard, their backyard, um, potentially going through their own house. Um, for us, it it started off with just the driveway and. And then it expanded into the street, and then we started building walls, and then we started building, you know, bigger and bigger props. And and now this year we're actually looking to expand all the way into the backyard um, and go through the house. So we're taking a, a huge step, um, going from the front of the house all the way out and through the back. So yeah, I mean, for us, the the home haunt means um, getting the neighborhood involved and uh, really building something that we can be proud of for ourselves. So. And you don't charge. And no, at this point we don't. Now it, it's all free, and you know we'd accept. Yeah, all the, the our our tagline is all the terror is free, nightmares included. Why do you come to the Scare LA? I mean, what are you are you looking for something? Are you attending panels? What are you doing here? Yeah, for us, we actually have four people here. Um, the two of us uh, uh, are here for the panels. We're here for the panels and the classes to find out uh, what other people are doing as far as animatronics are concerned, uh, makeup, props, um, learning what the pitfalls are so that we can build our attraction to the best that it can be. And we have a, a couple of other guys that are walking the floor to see what people are selling, what people are, uh, you know, what kind of makeup is out there, what kind of uh, props are available, um, and just looking for ideas, looking for things that we can take back. Yeah. Did you want to add to it? Or? My name is Donald Juleson, and I believe that uh, Scare-LA, there's, we are a small community but uh, of haunters, and I think it's just finally an outlet that, that we can celebrate. I think Halloween has become popular enough to where uh, it was kind of a necessity for everybody to get together and figure out what we're doing now. Um, and that's mainly why we're here. Uh, it's nice to learn from other people's mistakes. Uh, it's a great community, and we're, most are willing to share everything that we know. To, to help it, it's it's um it's a unique it's a unique outlet for all of us. We all do it because we love it. It's it's a true labor of love, and uh, I believe that that's why we're here. It's we would have this be every day if we could, but uh, you know we got to go back to being normal at some point. So it's just a nice little break before Halloween to get to get us all geared up for the season and uh, enjoy it. Tell me what uh, workshop you were just at. Uh, we were at the Haunt Secrets, I would tell you, but it's a secret. Um, <laughs> no, we're, we're, it's mainly, um, he was very informative. He's very good about starting home haunts, about what level he runs his own professional haunt, Reign of Terror, um, which is amazing. Uh, and it, it, he did started as a home haunter, and that, that's, I think, overall goal is like, a, for us anyway, would be to make money doing what we love, which is this, uh, being home hunters and scaring kids. Uh, so I feel that um, it, it was informative. It was, it was good. It was a great starting point. We already had a lot of it covered, but, you know, the, he taught us about um, liabilities and all this other stuff, that fire marshals, what they're looking out for and everything. So little things that we really haven't thought about were now covered. So it, this was a good class to take. I felt we, we got something out of it, and it, it made us feel better because it seemed like we were going in the right direction. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Validation, is a, a validation is a huge point. Um, you know, for the most part, we're making things up as we go along. You know, we have nobody to bounce ideas off of. To hear somebody that is successful, that uh, runs, has, has made that jump from amateur to professional, and realize that he was thinking of the same things and worried about the same things and he's come up with a lot of the same solutions. It's just, it, it does, it does tell us that we're going in the right direction and that the direction that we're going can ultimately end up being successful. Um, it's great to get that validation.
Now for my interview with perhaps the most notorious home haunter, Russ McCamey of McCamey Manor. He began home haunting decades ago with what he called a boo haunt, something fun but not too scary for his neighborhood in San Diego. And from the first scream he heard, he was addicted. Actually, as he'll reveal in my interview, the addiction came much earlier, when he was in the Navy. And having been in the military explains a little bit about the particular style of extreme haunting McCamey does. He runs a kind of horror boot camp. Imagine if R. Lee Ermey from Full Metal Jacket was in charge of a haunt and was running you through its paces. Well, that's sort of the idea. The first time I interviewed Russ, it was for an NPR radio story and a KPBS TV feature. He would only agree to do the interview if I agreed to be blindfolded and kidnapped and brought to his haunt. I have to admit, I hesitated, and I did ask my cameraman to grab a shot of the license plate of his car as he drove away. Being a journalist, Russ gave me the sissy tour, but I still had to eat disgusting food, have a tarantula walk on my face, and when it was all over on a 106-degree summer night, I was shivering from all the dousing with cold water I had gotten. It was not what I was expecting when I went to do the interview, but after it was all over, I felt pretty good that I had survived. I by no means beat the manor, Russ proudly boasts that no one has, but I did come out of it alive. Russ is someone people either love or hate. His fans adore him, and his haters want him locked up as a terrorist or sadist. But to me, he's really just a showman, the P.T. Barnum of home haunts. But that's why interviewing him is so tough. He wants to sell you on the fact that his haunt is real and that you don't want to do it because it's brutal. But then he also doesn't want to get shut down by cops if they think he's really torturing people. So when Russ answers questions, you can't be sure where the truth ends and PR begins. That's partially what gets him into trouble, because he loves to show videos of people bloodied or crying or begging to be let out of McCamey Manor, and he posts tons of these videos on his YouTube channel. This prompts critics and haters to ask for him to be shut down. But what critics fail to realize is that Russ is not going to reveal what's real and what he likes to call is smoke and mirrors, because that would ruin the effect of what he's trying to do. That's because what Russ McCamey does is he puts on a show and he fools you into believing that what he presents is real. And then that runs into problems when people from the outside are looking in at what he's doing. Recently, Russ lost his job of more than a decade as a veterans advocate, and he thought he was going to be closing down his haunt and leaving San Diego. But when he picked a new location, the town booted him out when they discovered what he was going to be doing. So Russ has been contemplating a TV show, has looked into doing haunts as part of other events, and is returning to home haunting with something he calls The Chamber. He's also featured in the upcoming documentary, Haunters the Movie. And while on a panel for that film at Scare LA, a fight broke out with a fellow panelist who felt that Russ gave other home haunters a bad name. But that's the kind of thing that Russ actually loves. He may love his haters as passionately as they hate him, because their hate only fuels the legend of McCamey Manor. Well, enough of me trying to explain what Russ does. I'll let the man speak for himself, and you can decide whether he's a sadist or just a guy who likes to scare people. I am here at Scare LA 2016 with Russ McCamey of McCamey Manor and now McCamey Manor The Chamber. So tell me, you had a bit of an exciting panel yesterday. I did. You know, I always encourage my so-called haters to come out and confront me, but I was kind of blindsided on this one. We had a guy on the panel, his name is, we'll call him Little Donnie. I'm not really sure what his name is, is Donald or something. And he's from some other 
home haunt out of his mom's house. Literally, he works the haunt out of his mom's house. But and I don't so I don't know even what haunt he has. Um, they never said, but uh, yeah. So he kind of started attacking the manor on stage a little bit and saying all the crazy accusations that you hear online about us being sued and, and you know about people dying and people are going to get killed here eventually. All this, all the junk that we all, all hear. So I kind of stood up for us obviously and called him out a little bit and it got kind of heated and uh, you know just wasn't expecting it to I thought it was going to be a professional panel I expected it from the audience and then we did we actually had some a few haters um, in his group that were uh, asking the same old redundant questions same things you hear online you know and um, so it was, it was interesting but there, there will be a complete video of the episode shortly um, with a uh, you know a nice biography on Donnie so you guys can understand what he's all about as well. All right for people who may not know anything about McKamey Manor, McKamey Manor is an extreme haunt so tell me how this got started. Well um, it got started basically kind of out of a boo haunt scenario like everybody else 16 years ago. Well, I've always been doing haunts my entire life, but at this particular location, maybe 16 years ago. And then it's just a natural progression that the haunt moved forward to more interactive stunts and, you know, more of a, of a live-your-own-experience type of scenario, which is what I try to do. I try to make the haunt very cinematic and very much like you're living a movie. And it just throughout the years, a natural progression that it became more and more interactive, which means more and more extreme. And people really loved it. They loved the, the interactivity, the whole thing. And it's fun that way, because then you really are part of the show. You're not just a bystander. And you know there's consequences to decisions you make. And it makes it really fun. And so we've kind of gained a, a name for ourselves out of being the one that... Um, kind of pushes things to the limit or at least that's what it appears that we're pushing things to the limit as always everything is smoke and mirrors and in out of 16 years we've never had one lawsuit we've never had any major injuries so I think that's a pretty good track record if you in, in reality if you look and see you know compare us compared to other haunts out there who brag about all their lawsuits I don't want lawsuits no not not you know that's not a good thing for me so uh, but it's a very safe way to have a very realistic survival horror experience something that's almost like a boot camp but you know horror related so it's very unique and it's not for everybody you got to be 21 or above you have to go through a long list of requirements to get in you have to have a screening by me for an hour you have to have a, a, a letter from your doctor and psychologist mental and physical you have to have a background check to get in you got to have proof of insurance you got to have a drug test before you actually walk through the door so you know I don't think there's any other haunt in the world that takes the precautions compared to what I do it's pretty crazy you mentioned it's like a boot camp which I went through the sissy tour you did, the sissy, uh, the sissy yeah. tour so I fess up to that but um Boot camp, I think, is a very descriptive way for it because although I've never been in the military, it seems to be the notion of, like, we're going to do everything we can to break you. And then if you come out the other end, you're, like, part of a family. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you feel like you really accomplished something if you really can get through it. And nobody ever has. So be clear that in all the years that we've been putting this show on, not one single person has actually 
been able to complete the entire eight-hour tour, and only two people go in for eight hours, and that means there's a lot of focus on you. You know, there's no place to hide. It's all about you. You are the star of the movie, and rest assured, there will be a movie about you once you go through. But yeah, I think that's a perfect title. People people get upset that we call it a haunted house, and it really is. But it, but if you get upset over that, then call it a survival horror boot camp experience. I think that it really does explain exactly how it is because you will get broken. I don't care who you are. You can be the toughest, roughest guy there is, and we've had them all come through, and everybody comes out crying. And just as long as you know that going in, you'll have a good time. You're not going to break us. You're not going to win. It's just it's geared for failure. Trust me on that. <laughs> you know, but it's a lot of fun. It really is. Well, and the notion of boot camp, you are from the military. You were in the Navy. Yes. So you actually started some haunting back then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was in the military for 23 years. And directly after the military, I worked for veterans with the VA for 13 years. And we rescue dogs. And I'm a wedding DJ singer, which is really a weird thing that I'm a, you know, a haunter and also this wedding silly guy. But it's all, it's all showbiz, right? But yeah, so we started the haunt. Uh, way back yonder, but when I was on the ships, because I spent 17 years out to sea. I was in the Navy for 23, but 17 were, you know, out there floating around. So so to get my Halloween fix, I still would do uh, haunts for the crew in the well deck of these big ships or in offices and what have you. So, you know, if you're a haunter, you got to do the haunt wherever you are. And uh, you, sometimes you don't have the best location, but you make the best out of it. So all you haunters out there, it doesn't matter where you're at, in a single one-bedroom apartment or a garage, it does not matter. Go haunt. It's not that, you know, you always can find a way to do it. You really can. Now, there's a lot of rumors and um things going on on the internet talking about what McKamey Manor is but one thing that goes on is wow he must charge a lot of money for this he must be making a fortune but tell people do you charge for this are you a professional haunter it's super expensive to get in okay so everybody brace themselves so to go through an eight-hour experience for just two people in a literally into in, in, in a million dollar haunt I mean we spent probably about a million dollars throughout the years. I mean, it's crazy. This is all my own money. And part of the rumors is that, you know, I'm a millionaire and, you know, there's Las Vegas involved and you know, that may or may not be the case. But uh, I can tell you I'm not a millionaire. And uh, so price of admission is, okay, hold your, hold your seat, sit down. It's four cans of dog food or a bag of dog food that we donate to Operation Greyhound, which is a rescue society for greyhound dogs, which is our passion. And we have several greyhounds herself that we've rescued and so all the dog food goes to those little rascals and they have a really rough life and so if you guys are looking for a great dog greyhounds are just so lovable and they appreciate so much having a home after being locked away in a cage their entire life and for you folks who know that don't know that what happens to greyhounds after they're done racing they go to mexico and they literally get killed they get their heads cut off and thrown in trash bags it's not a good scenario so we rescue the dogs or help or we help support the Operation Greyhound site and they go out and rescue the dogs from Mexico before they get killed and bring them back. So if you want a great dog, one that's going to love you for life and the biggest couch potatoes in the world, go get a Greyhound. They're awesome. Now the fact that you don't charge for it, uh, some might say that that may make you seem more the sadist <laughs> because like why else are you doing it so do you consider yourself a bit sadistic in what you do or not 
Not at all. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all showbiz. I just consider myself an entertainer, whether I'm singing at a wedding or in a band playing guitar and singing or doing a, a stage play or been in a lot of movies throughout my life. I was a theater arts major in college. I'm just an entertainer and I love showbiz and I love putting on the big show and the haunt enables me to have control of everything of, of sets props you know designing themes um, all these special traps that we do because ours is very trap driven and very much like a it's hard to explain almost like a saw movie but it's just it's different it's bigger even in some ways and I like it just because it's so much fun to be able to put on this massive show to entertain the folks and then what you know what I really enjoy is making my little movies so in a way I'm a little filmmaker as well and I really enjoy putting on these films for the rest of the world to see and there's a big following I mean I, if you go to my YouTube channel we have over 34 million views that's a lot of views for this little mom-and-pop scenario and that's because of these films I make so I really enjoy making the movies and letting people experience the manor to some degree without actually going in. Because, again, it's not for everybody. So I am the opposite of what people think. You know, they probably think that someone that does what I do, it must be really crazy or, you know, enjoy seeing people suffer. And it's not at all. I enjoy getting those magic moments. I enjoy, as a filmmaker... When I put somebody through the hunt, I'm directing it in my mind. They are my star. They are my actress that day. So I'm thinking about what, what, you know the, the edit, the shot, the angle. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for those magic moments. And I go, yeah, that's it. That's, that, that's the shot I need for this particular moment. So I think in a very cinematic mode as they go through the hunt. So that's, that's where, my, where my brain is at. But it's an awful lot of fun. I mean, you know, just think about all of you folks out there who have scared somebody walked it behind them and went boo and what what enjoyment you get you you giggle about it it's fun well imagine that on on a level of about 10,000 degrees more and that's how much fun we're having we're smiling inside when this is all going on and the audience loves it too after they're out (laughs) so would you say if you're not a sadist would you say you're at least addicted to scaring people um I'm addicted to putting on a show. I mean, I really do like to make people, um, you know, feel things, whether it be, you know, fright or laughter or whatever. It's really fun to do something that people respond to one way or another. Either they hate it, they love it. And that's what's kind of addicting is getting, finding out what people think about your work. And I'm lucky enough that people can give me that feedback based upon the actual show and they can give me that feedback based upon my movies and I really like that I like the fact of knowing that when I'm dead and gone the McKamey Manor legend will still be probably out there because of my movies and will be that haunt that people still talk about because it's almost like an urban legend people don't believe that it really happens but trust me it does really happen and that's the fascinating thing about it but it happens in a very safe loving environment it really is a loving scenario all of our actors we do it for the right reasons we're not there to hurt anybody we're not there to cause people torment you know that's why i'm so particular on who goes in we don't want to mess anybody up psychologically after they're done we don't want to mess anybody up physically so that's why i'm so particular on who actually goes it really is a love fest it's a good it's a good thing do you see how carol is reacting back there she's (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know if all the laughter from your your partner back there uh, oh, <laughs> re reflects that you're telling the truth or that that she I gets the similar the enjoyment truth. out of it. I, oh, she does. She enjoys it as well. But she's the safety net. She's the one. You know, she's the little uh, angel out there. So when someone's having an, a rough time, she'll be out there and oh, you can hold my hand and they're like they're like yes, ma'am. You don't have to call me ma'am. It's just Carol right here. So <laughs> Carol's the one that uh, will bring them down back to life again and uh, kind of have them decompress because it is really strenuous. I mean, it it's, takes a lot to go through it and you have to really shake the hand of the folks that actually take the tour because most people are afraid of it because now people actually know of it. It's not this hidden thing. And so if you're smart, you're going to go, I'm not going to do that. That's crazy. So most people will not even attempt it. So the ones that actually do, those guys are some... Uh, and, and gals, and the girls for sure are much stronger than the guys. The girls for sure man up to take the tour and last longer than the guys by far. It's not even close. And that's really fascinating as well that the women do so much better. And it's not easier for them at all. It's, um, you know, we don't go light on you. I don't care who you are. So it's pretty, it's, it's psychologically, it's interesting to be that close to this world and watch what these people go through and see how they are afterwards. And if you watch my movies, one thing that I always make sure I do is eventually I will do a, a follow-on interview to see how they're doing. And I'll ask them all the questions like, were you forced to go here? Were you actually tortured? You know, what, could you really not leave if you wanted to? I, all the things that people think are about McKamey Manor, I let them answer the questions in their own words. And I think if you watch the response, you'll see that it's a positive thing for them, and they're really glad they took the tour, and it, and it wasn't anything negative like people try to make it out to be. And that's the magic of it. You know, it's, again, smoke and mirrors. Well, there, the one, one of the things that makes McKamey Manor unique is there is not a safe word. That is a true thing about your haunt, correct? Maybe. <laughs> I guess you'll have to come through to find <laughs> out. Um, maybe. I can tell you this. Yeah, we're, we're known for no quitting and no safe word. And when, so the way you get out, it's very simple. There's three, there's three ways to get out. I mean, I make it simple because I'm a simple guy and I can't have too many rules. Otherwise, I'll get confused. So either you actually complete the tour, which is not going to happen, or you mentally or physically are at such a breaking point that it's now not safe for you to continue and I need to take you out. Now, I must say, I'm giving a little secret away here, that on occasion, if I feel somebody initially before they even go in, after I have my interview process with them, and because we do this huge thing, I mean, it takes a lot of days to get in of work. You just don't walk in. So after I do all of my programming with them, Something else we do that no one knows is that we actually hypnotize people that people know, some people know that now, but if you look at the movies and you'll notice this, this glare, this blank look in their face, I want you to think about what it's like to be hypnotized and then maybe some of this will make sense to you on how we do what we do. Does everybody get hypnotized? No, because not everybody can do it. But uh, we have a trained stage hypnotist as part of our crew. And so for all these years, um, during before they get to the haunt, we actually try to put them both under. doesn't always work. But but anyways, back to the question. I just threw that out there. So that's something that nobody knows. Now now you know. That's, a new, that's, a, uh, that's an NPR exclusive right here. Well, see, I don't even know if that's real or smoke and mirrors, too. I know, right? No, who knows? I guess the only way to find out is to come through the haunt. 
But from time to time, I will offer a safe phrase for those people that I think need it. Because I am. I'm your buddy. Russ is your friend. I'm the only one that's looking out for you when you're there. I'm your pal. So your pal Russ here wants to make sure you have a lovely time. And if I feel that you need a safe phrase, I may give you one off camera just so you feel a little bit better and have some warm and fuzzies and it might take your anxiety level down a little bit. I don't do it all the time. Don't come there expecting to get that. But if uh, I think you need it, which is different than want it, then uh, I may offer that. I don't know. You really seem like a drill sergeant, like that guy <laughs> who's just going to like treat you like, like the worst possible way to treat and then, we, and, and then you're part of like the Marines afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And then we give you cookies and ice cream afterwards, and we <laughs> feed you and pizza time, and you hang out with the dogs, and uh, then you're part of the family. So um, it's definitely a different scenario when you go through, obviously. You know, we're actors, we're performers, but don't get me wrong. Even though I'm the nicest guy in the world, you're going to hate me while you're in there because we will break you. I don't care who you are, how much you cry. We will break you down to your core and you will find out what you're all about one way or another. You're either going to be a, a tough hombre or you're going to be a pile of goo and a, and a weakling. But you're going to find out some truths about you after you get done with the manor, either for better or for worse. And hopefully it's for better. So what is it about the people who do come through? Why do you think after seeing all this stuff online, you yourself often say, don't come. Yeah. What is it about this group of people that come through that you think makes them want to do this? They're a special breed. I mean, they're not like you or me. I don't want to do this haunt. And I know Beth doesn't want to do the real haunt. I mean, in my tagline, and I'm a thousand percent real, is you really don't want to do this. And I'm dead serious. So I will tell each person a million times, don't take the tour. You really don't understand what it's all about. So those ones that ignore my warnings, those guys and gals are just some really awesome adrenaline junkies. I mean, really unique people that can't get scared anyplace else. They're looking for a thrill. They're bungee jumpers and skydivers and scuba divers, all the things that, I mean, I like that stuff too, to, to, to a degree, but they're just a really interesting crowd. They're like MMA fighters and they're big, tough bikers with, you know, big tattoos and beards and a lot of law enforcement come through, a lot of military. we got a lot of military um, special forces guys we get these kind of guys and we get moms and dads and and you know like for example the the woman who has the record inside the manor and she's beat out military law enforcement special warfare she's beat out everybody she's an don't, don't I don't mean any offense here but she's an overweight middle-aged mom of three and she lasted longer than anybody so it doesn't matter about your physical shape really it's all about mind and she had the best mind control of anybody and she lasted six hours she's outshined the toughest roughest guys her name is sarah p you can watch her movie so how awesome is that that this this unassuming mom that you would think would never make it five minutes tore everybody up. So. Raising teenagers is tough work, man. Well, there you go. That's right. So I have all, I have mad respect for anybody who takes the tour because these people, you know, they know what they're getting into. You should just, if you, if you read the waiver, the waiver takes three hours to get through the new one. I mean, literally it's probably 20 pages and you're going to go through it line by line and you're going to read every single stunt that is available inside the manor. You're going to know exactly 
what you're getting into. If you're selected, because Las Vegas screens this, and it's you know it's being controlled by what they want to do and see at certain times. We don't always work through Vegas, but sometimes we do. So they may want a certain stunt or a certain location, and we have to do do that. And uh, so we never know what what's going to happen. It's very on the cuff. It's very improv, and that's what makes it fun as an actor. But yeah, these are some special individuals, and you got to give them uh, you know a big round of applause. All right, now listing all the possible things that could happen to someone in your waiver. That seems like it could also be part of the haunt in that you are laying the groundwork for all the things they can start worrying about before they even get in. You like that psychological angle. That is true. That absolutely is true. So, heck, my, yeah, in fact, listen to Beth and actually nothing actually happens inside. All we do is play cards. So it's very easy. Just come on in. We, have, we, we uh, play cards and drink Kool-Aid and have pizza. So she's absolutely correct. It's all just part of the illusion. Nothing happens so if you do come through just blame Beth for not getting the proper information but yeah you never know what is real and what's not real but uh, I'm gonna give you a lot of things to worry about beforehand and uh, and you're gonna meet some very interesting characters and some in some situations I'm trying to get Beth to come back through I really want this lovely that's all right to go through the real tour not the not the uh, supervised <laughs> one I want her to go through the real tour I don't think I can meet requirements two and three the doctor's <laughs> signature and the the mental health check <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> yeah oh, you'd be fine you'd be fine but uh, it's uh, you know but everybody's you will know exactly what to expect I mean, you're going to know that if you're selected to go to the barbershop that you're going to come back with no hair <laughs> and no eyebrows you know you're going to be put inside of a a watery plexiglass eight foot container with live california moray eels four of them you're going to come into contact with those guys you're going to be buried alive under 12 feet of ground and you're going to dig yourself out of a coffin with a lot of weight on top of you and you'll have to get through that ground to get to the top you're going to you're going to experience these things so you have to know that and if you're okay with all that then you're the kind of person we want to see here because that's what's going to happen to you okay you seem to be caught between this position of don't come because mm -hmm. it's so scary but it's also smoke and mirrors. So you seem to, I mean, this seems to be a, a, a classic kind of showmanship kind of thing. Like you're enticing them and then kind of going like, eh. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm kind of the William Castle of 2016. And for those of you who, do, who don't know who William Castle is, look him up. He was this filmmaker back in the 50s and 60s, kind of a low-budget guy. He was kind of an Alfred Hitchcock wannabe, but really creative and clever. And he did some really interesting things with um, advertisement and the, what he did inside of a theater with these crazy movies. He would, like, he would have buzzers underneath the seats when a creature was out and running around. And the movie's called The Tingler. You should watch it. And there's a great documentary about him called, I think, The Spine Tingler, I believe. I, but look him up. And that's kind of what I'm all about. I'm all about the smoke and mirrors, about the the crazy little things we do that you wouldn't really think that we would do at a haunt. But if you if you ever question if we're real or not, just watch the movies and watch how these people end up. You'll see individuals literally in shock. You'll see them mumbling to themselves, not knowing what date it is, not knowing who the president is. You're going to see all this. So. It's smoke and mirrors, correct, but at the same time, it's a thousand percent real, 
and we can really deliver on all this junk I'm talking about right now. It sounds like, oh, this can't be real. I mean, he's just talking, you know, nothing. But we really can deliver on what I'm saying. And that's the interesting part about it is um, it's entertainment. You're not going to get hurt, at least not on purpose. You're going to get cuts and bruises and sprains, maybe even a broken bone. You know, it can happen. That's in the waiver. But it's never intentional. But it's physical. But we really can deliver on the product. And just watch any of my films and you'll see people just really shook up. Now, I did watch uh, one film where you had... I. I can't remember their real names, but they were like the Mario Brothers, mm -hmm. and I actually got to meet them because they were actually helping you with your haunt yeah. afterwards. Yeah, That's the fun part is that people are so excited after they take the tour that they all want to be actors because that's the kind of folks we got, and they get it. So these people that go here, they really understand what the magic is, and that's a requirement. You have to go through the tour to ever become an actor because it's so complicated. There's so many... There's so many you know, levels to what we do that you have to experience to understand the flow and what we're trying to create, and that's a requirement. So, yeah, those guys are now actors, and especially one of them, his name's Ryan Lawrence. He's my, my main actor, and these guys are great. And it's so funny to see them now being all tough and rough and breaking people when in reality, when they went through, they were crying like babies after 20 minutes. After 20 minutes, they were done. And we were able to keep them going. And the one other individual, the other brother, Steve, I mean, he literally thought he died. So he felt that he saw his dead mother because he passed out several times. And because of the, of the uh, hypnosis that we do, that kind of, uh, you know, bled into that fact that he thought that he passed away. So there's a lot of mind games that we do to, to get what I need on film. It's all about the film. It's all about getting those magic Kodak moments. Um, so it's it's interesting to see people who who are who are now there, tough, tough, tough. And but when they went through, and all of their videos are there, all the actors, they weren't so tough when they were initially at McCamey Manor. And I seem to remember that they were trying to um, outsmart you a little bit, and they had worn some like the hypothermia suit or something, yeah. compression suit? Yeah, that's really cute and clever. They always do. They, they wear like the, you know, the compression suits. They, they put on knee pads. And so, we, so we're smart now. So what, what we do now is at our initial pickup, because I learned, because they fooled me. I didn't know, right? So I'm like naive. I'm, oh, okay, great. So now at the initial pickup, we actually make them strip out of their, their onesie, because everybody has to wear a onesie. And you have to wear clothes under your onesie, so there's no nudity. You have to wear jeans or whatever, because I want you as protected physically as possible. So we, so we make people get out of their onesie, and we check for things like compression suits and knee pads, and we will take those, and those will become our little souvenirs before you even start. So don't even try to outsmart us now. Uh, we're, we're learning from folks like Ryan and Steve. But I love it. I love people trying to pull the wool over our eyes. I mean, that's all, that's all part of the game. It's all good. Now, at one point, you thought you were going to have to close down McCamey Manor, and you did start to explore some other things. So what are some of the other things you are doing outside of your kind of home base, home haunt? Sure. Well, yeah, there's, McCamey Manor has a history of um, cities and towns not wanting us in their location. You know, we were kicked out of Illinois. We were going to move out there. Um, the city saw the movies after we were there, basically, and freaked out and 
they were, you know, they just went crazy, you know, praying in front of the building to keep us away, shooting out the windows, slashing tires. I mean, they really did not want us there. When Again, in reality, we're not what they think we are. And then New York, we had a, a contract to do a show in, in New York last year, and they... The city commissioner saw that and said, you're not coming here. That's not going to work. And then the last one was Illinois. I mean, I'm sorry, Arizona. We were all set to open up full time out there. And um, I had to run test shows for the city. I had to have the city officials and law enforcement do test shows. And after the test shows, guess what happened? They said, no, you're not going to come here as well. So now we're back in San Diego with the chamber. Um, we do have a show um, that starts this month in August. Um, called Snuff House, um, Alone in the Dark, and that opens in England. So if you're across the pond, that opens. It's already sold out, though, for the, for the entire month of August. It's sold out. That's a four-hour McKamey Manor experience. I just finished doing all the, the script footage last night, and it's, gonna, it's really interesting. That's going to be the most extreme version of what we can do without being me. Because in reality, most places can't really do what we do because it is so technical and it is so extreme that you cannot do this stuff for the general public. You got to have this specialized, you know, audience who really goes through all these, you know, huge hoops to get here. So you're not going to find it anyplace else. But that's going to be the closest to what we really do. If you really want the real scenario, you got to come to the chamber, which is now located in two warehouses in San Diego. We're not doing the five locations any longer. I can tell you we're not going across the border anymore. Uh, last year, we used to take people across the border, so you'd be tied up in the back of a trunk. We would uh, we'd pay the federales to do a, a mock um, capture of you in the trunk. We would take you and ourselves would go to an interrogation site, and we would be interrogated for 90 minutes. And then we would escape that room, and then we would go across to TJ into a, into a warehouse that we had and to continue the show. So these are the kind of things that we do. That's why we had to have a passport for folks to go through. So these are the kind of things we do that make it so realistic that people freak out. And I don't show this stuff in my movies because I'm not going to show all the goodies. I'm going to show the silly stuff that I don't care that people see. So if you really want to find out the magic behind the manor, you've got to actually come to it. And then you'll understand what the big, uh, you know, all the fuss is all about. It's really interesting. And um, at one point there was talk of a TV show? The TV show is still in the works. Um, there's several different companies um, looking at me right now, one in particular. Um, but I'm kind of fighting that because I'm not satisfied with the direction that they have to take it, which means they want to dumb it down. And I understand that. But I just don't want the mystery and the magic to go away. So they want to see more of the behind the scenes of what we do and have that incorporated in the show. And it's not, I'm not willing to do that. It's not worth it. I don't care if I got rich off of it or the publicity. To me, it's more important to keep the secrecy alive in the mystery. That's what, that's what has people freaked out. That's why they hate me or they love me because they do not understand. They don't know what's really happening. They only know what I show them. So I totally am pulling all the strings with all these people who hate me and write all these crazy death threats and bomb threats. And we're going to, you know, I get some nutty, nutty thing on a daily basis, but it's really because of me. I am I'm the puppet master to what they think about the manor because they only think and know what I've ever showed them and, and how I spin it. 
So I am in total control of all the haters as well. They don't know that, but yeah, I'm kind of pushing their buttons too. And I really don't want that secret out. So is it worth it to have a TV show and lose my secrets? No, not for me, not, not at all. So until we can do something to where that's not shown, I'm not really down for it. So do you think P.T. Barnum is a good description of uh, what you do? I do. P.T. Barnum and William Castle, those two guys, I guess I'm the love child there. And uh, absolutely, it's, it's all entertainment. It really is. I mean, if you knew me in person, you'd think I was the nicest guy in the world. But that's not what you're going to see on the Internet. And, um, but again, that's all part of it. So it comes with the territory. I mean, they say some ugly things, and, you know, things that really do bother me that I don't like. Um, one thing is the thing I, that offends me most of all is that people confuse us with other extreme haunts in the sense that most extreme haunts, Blackout and Freakling Brothers and other, you know, there's a lot of them out there, they are hypersexual. That's what they're famous for. It's nothing but sex, you know, simulating rape and really horrible things. And anyone that knows me knows I'm like a big time advocate for anything, anything against that type of thing, as most people are. And I'm very protective to make sure that nothing like that, that, that we're associated with in any way, shape, or form. We are totally uh, non-sexual. There's no innuendos. Nobody's whispering crude things in your ears. There's no religion anywhere. There's no sat satanic stuff anywhere. I'm not here to offend anybody. And I'm surely not here to put somebody through a sexual simulation of a bad scenario when... When in real life, too many people, we all know people who have been hurt in that way or ourselves have been hurt or you know somebody and we know that it destroys lives, it kills lives, it takes away innocence. So why would you ever want to simulate those types of situations for entertainment? And that's what those folks do. So that's, I'm not a fan of that type of situation and you'll never have that in the haunt. I always tell people that I can guarantee one thing and one thing only that there's you know nothing sexual nothing inappropriate but when you go through the haunt you are, you're also signing up to say and know that everything else is on the table everything else so everything your little mind can think of as long as it's not sexual and nothing inappropriate it's on the table again we're not going to hurt you but everything else is open and that's what you're going to sign up for and you're going to write that down on our lovely 30-page contract so it's uh it's different and the other thing that helps keep this mystery going is that it's a very exclusive club in terms of how many people actually get to go through. Absolutely. This is not something where you're going to have a conga line of folks. Um, I do one show a week only, and it is open year-round, and there's a huge waiting list. Um, but those folks, um, you know, they get scared. Even the folks on the waiting list get scared. But, uh, it, you know, we're talking about opening a gigantic scenario a huge haunt with lots of actors lots of props lots of everything you can imagine things you've never seen before that's a nice thing about McKinney Manor you're going to see exclusive one-of-a-kind effects and stunts that are made up in my little mind that you won't see anyplace else but only two people per week will experience that and that's it so there's not very many people that will actually get the tour. So if you're dead serious and you think you really want to attempt this, you need to contact me via my website, which is mckamiemanor.com. And there's a, a sub page that says contact reviews. There's a form to fill out. Send that to me. And if you're truly serious, I, I only want the folks that really want to do this. Because again, so many people 
sign up for it and then they just get cold feet and then it just you know messes up our our whole day because we uh spend we spend a lot of preparation on putting a show like this together so yeah come and see us if you're serious so do you have a closing pitch you want to make for McKamey Manor or last words you want to give to people who are contemplating this? The closing pitch is really try it if you think this is your cup of tea. And you know by soul searching if you can handle the kind of things that we're talking about. If you can, if you can be mentally strong and not break, or at least not break for a while, and if you've got the physical aptitudes, if you can like, if you got good cardio, that's a hint. You need some serious cardio, folks, okay? You don't have to be buff and rough, but have some serious cardio because we're gonna exhaust you. We're gonna wear you out to the T, that's for sure. But if, you, if you're that special person, then uh, you will have the most fun ever. It'll be just a, a gold ticket in your life. I can promise you that. And you'll have a movie made of you and for the whole world to see and the grandkids and everybody else down the, you know, they're all gonna see what mom and dad did. And I love couples. If you're a married couple, they're the best because I love, you know, pitting those two people together and watching them throw each other under the bus because trust me, they do. You know, nobody has a friend in there after a while. It's pretty amazing to see how people turn on each other. But if you're kind of iffy on it, then the saying sticks and live it, breathe it, don't forget it. And that is, again, you really don't want to do this. All right. Well, thank you very much, Russ. Absolutely. So it's been my pleasure. And again, open door policy for you anytime. And as a journalist, I think you really should. I think our, I think your fans would love to see you go through the full tour. I, no, I don't think so. No, no. I think I know you a little too well to subject myself to that potential. I love it. I love it. All right. Thanks for listening to another edition of the KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. If you're at all interested in McKamey Manor, I suggest you check out my YouTube videos about my experiences inside the manor. Go to kpbs.org slash junkie podcast and look for podcast 86. I'll have links there. Coming up next on Cinema Junkie will be interviews with director David McKenzie and actor Gil Birmingham about the new and excellent indie film Hell or High Water that opens on August 12th. Then I'll talk with Steve Martin about the world premiere of his new play, Meteor Shower. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and I would love to have you leave a review or a rating. So till our next film fix, I'm Beth Accomando, your resident cinema junkie. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I.